So the big question is, how do healthcare experts like you generate more income, impact more people, and create businesses that work around their lifestyle and serve their family? If you want the answer to that question, then you're in the right place at the right time. Whether you are a physical therapist, a dietitian, an occupational therapist, a chiropractor, MD, or other healthcare expert, this is for you. My name is Javier Carlin, and welcome to Healthcare Business Radio. Join me and follow along as I learn, apply, and share the top business growth strategies that I'm currently using to grow my own business and to help you grow yours, using only the best insights and advice from top industry leaders. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Healthcare Business Radio. This is your host, Dr. Javier Carlin. And today I'm excited to bring you a very special guest, Jerry Durham. Jerry is a physical therapist and seven-figure business owner. He was a multi-site PT clinic owner who is now helping healthcare practices with the front desk sales process. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us today. Good afternoon, Javi. How are you doing? I'm excited. How are you doing? Good, dude. I, dude, I'm... <laughs> Baseball season, helping people make money in their healthcare businesses. I'm always excited. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, Jerry, uh, for those who don't know you who are listening to the episode today, can you share a little bit with everyone about your background, your backstory, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, here I'll hit the important bullet points. You can ask me to expand on whichever one you want. So, I've been a physical therapist by training for, I lost track, by the way. 27 years, 28 years, somewhere in there, give or take a year, um, worked in every setting possible and then started my own business on my own in a 330 square foot room that was straight front. So a huge window had my logo on the front. So that was good. And then, um, partnered up, had a multi-site physical therapy location 10 years into having that business with my partner, we went completely out of network in a time when nobody even knew what that meant. So it was pretty interesting times. So 10 years in network, about six to seven years out of network. And it's really that part of that journey that's got me to here um, because that's when I really took over the front desk portion, the pre-arrival phase of the patient's life cycle with the company and just started learning more of the business side of that and the sell side and how to better communicate with people so they would understand the value of what they were going to get for their money. And I actually, probably the biggest takeaway for this group, I answered every single incoming new patient call and dealt with every fact. So at the time, there was basically maybe some emails, but it was either phone call or fax inbound. So both inbound for a full year in my clinic and scheduled at multiple sites. So scheduled all the new patients for a year at multiple sites. And the big kicker too, was did all the cost callbacks before arrival. So in my business, we had decided it was best. And I still believe this is pretty important that people know their cost or the price of that visit before they arrive. So I did that for a year. And then now I just, everything I've learned over the last 15 years and keep building on and keep building on and have seen it work in in network clinics, out in network clinics, cash PT clinics, um, one-on-one clinics, 
uh, clinics with providers and assistants and aides, uh, clinics in gyms, mobile practices, pediatrics. I have literally helped every single type of clinic and every combination of that payer and practice model to basically dial in this patient life cycle and then leverage the hell out of the front end of it. So what happens before they arrive? So that front desk sales process and see seeing changes in, you couldn't give me a business metric that we have not positively changed by changing the front end sales process. So that's how I got here. Then that's what I'm doing today. That's amazing. And I mean, there, there's so much to pull, pull away from that. And I think the, the first piece that catches my attention, uh, and I feel like uh, for whatever, for whatever reason, uh, most people think about the front desk last, if it's an afterthought, if, if that, and I'm curious, you know, why you believe that it's actually the opposite and that it's the most important it, you know, probably the most important, and I'm sure you <laughs> you agree, uh, part of, of uh, physical therapy practice. Um, yeah. And remember, so anything I share with you, I came from the other side, right? So yeah, I hired, I hired front desk admin people thinking it was more of a customer service role. So let me jump ahead and make a quick clarification. What I've learned over time is your, is your front desk in a healthcare practice is actually serves three roles. And until you understand the three roles, there's the voice of the company, the salesperson, there's the face of the company, which is the traditional customer service person that is responsible for retention. So we have sales, the entry point to the business. We have retention, keeping the customers. And then we have the admin or back office person that is responsible many times for the pay part and the supporting of the process in this team, in this patient's life cycle. So they all serve key roles to patient success. Yet what I have found in about 98% of the clinics I've ever come across is we hire one person, throw them all into that front desk role and ask them to do all three of those. Typically what happens in healthcare practices, and remember this is all in reflection. I've done all this yet. This is what's happening now. Everybody hires a customer service person. Right. So they hire a retention person who's typically good at retention, collecting co-pays. They're not so good at the admin stuff and they're definitely not good at the sell stuff. So you're constantly churning and burning your front desk because they're not doing the right job. And by the way, they're churning and burning out because you don't understand the roles and you hired the wrong person for the role you need filled. This is really important. I always say I've never come across a bad front desk person. I come across a lot, and I mean a lot of people that were hired for the wrong position. So that's step number one. And then what I have found is over time, as I've done this front desk training, as we built out these front desk sales processes, is that we impact metrics that traditionally most clinics, including myself when I first started, traditionally thought was only the responsibility of the provider was only the responsibility of the billing team and finding out that when these things are managed better upstream. So before they arrive, before they see their provider, before they need billing, that if we set and manage expectations and create a greater clarity around some of this stuff, that these metrics were impacted far greater than anything else downstream. Let me give you one example, cancel rates. 
I literally just finished training a clinic, four month front desk cell system process. We trained only their front desk. And I, I know that this next thing to be true because the owner was in on all the training. There were no new hires. There was no new systems put into place other than mine. There was no new services started and there was no provider training. Their cancel rate went from 14% to seven in three months. So the training wasn't done until the fourth month. The cancel rate went from 14 to seven in three months and equated to about $13,000 a month in business, right? So I've seen this over and over and over. So whenever I hear anybody say the front desk people are non-revenue generating, I always laugh and go, man, you do not understand the patient's journey within a healthcare practice because the front desk is revenue generating and by virtue alone that they are the entry point to the business. That's why I say they're the most important. And I kind of do it tongue in cheek. It's not to take anything away from the providers yet without the front desk team members managing the entry point to the business properly, there are no patients. And guess what else goes up? Completed plans of care go up when cancels go down. Is that all on the provider? Hmm, no, because, right? Because we didn't do any provider training. So if you train that front desk and your completed plans of care go up, the provider is now allowed to do what they sh should have been only doing all along. We put too much of the burden from the front desk. We, that's for a different time. I'll stop there. But we put too much burden of what should be on the front desk distributed out onto the providers. And when we take that stuff off of the providers and we let them just be the people we went to school to be, guess what? They're successful. So that is, that is why that front desk is so valuable. My goal one day, and I'm currently putting together this with a couple of people, I, I help businesses put together bonus programs for front desk people without caps, without ceiling. Because if, if your best salesperson is growing your company, why would you cap the bonus program? So my goal is to have a front desk person making as much money as a provider in the same clinic based on the bonus program, because the front desk person is getting bonused on the growth of the company, which is based on completed plans of care. It's not visits. It's not cancels. It's, it's patient success. So that's, uh, yeah, as you can see, I could talk a while on this and I love this. Again, if a front desk person is making as much as the provider, it's because they're growing the business as much as the provider. And I just say, look, we treat them all equal. Everybody, it's a team, right? You and I both know the fucking Tom Brady's get all the accolades and everybody wants to meet Tom Brady. But I love to use this example. Every great Tom Brady season has had a great left tackle that nobody knows the name of, right? So it's the same thing. The front desk team members are the offensive line. Wow, man, that, that is a completely different perspective from what I feel a lot of, a lot of either, I mean, I'm going to say new practice owners, but really even seasoned practice owners um, are, are used to hearing. And I'm curious. So you said that when you train the, when you train the front desk, that cancellations and plans of care obviously because the cancellations are decreased actually get completed and those cancellations decrease. So what, what is the direct effect that uh, a front desk, you know, properly trained front desk person has on, on those metrics? Great question. Um, 
So early on in this journey, you know, and, and this is where you don't, I've learned more from great salespeople about how to communicate in healthcare than I have from anywhere else. So I want that context out there and I want people to understand. And I just can, I just completed a week long sales training course. No other healthcare people in the room. That was so could I could dump a room full of providers in there and they would kick ass over everybody else. So I want people to understand that the sales world when done properly and it's managed properly has delivered more on communication and helping me to understand how to manage here. Here's the key, how to manage and set expectations and how to build trust. And I've shared this a lot in my podcasts, my YouTube videos, building trust is not, is not new to anybody. Healthcare claims to own it. Healthcare claims to have alliance research, right? Healthcare loves to take things that are already out there and give them fancy names and claim it for themselves, right? This whole therapeutic alliance research, it exists in the sales world far before it ever existed in healthcare. And so what I did early on in this journey and where my role as a PT, this is why I want to give a shout out to the salespeople because now I'm going to go back to the PT world. I knew when I was treating patients, I had seen the research from Bishop Blosky and Clelander regarding expectations. And it was fairly new. And I had had my practice already. And I was looking for ways for my, this was before I was doing the front desk stuff. And I was looking for ways to help my team, my providers, better impact their patients. And I came across this expectations research and I loved it. I was reading all of it. And then I kind of went away from it. And then I fast forward, I'm doing all this front desk stuff and I'm remembering the expectations research. And for those people out there, maybe don't know the expectations research. There's only one thing that correlates with, and there's two things that correlate with physical therapy outcomes. 100% of the times expectations and trust the alliance. So I went back and I'd been reading a lot of Alliance research too. It's called therapeutic Alliance, but again, we make it about us, right? It's like an Alliance, it's a team Alliance. And I went back and reread all the research and I said, wait a minute, (laughs) if this, I'm laughing because it was so straightforward and took me so long. I'm like, if this works, when the patient shows up and meets the provider, Why can't I just take all this conversations and all these terms and all this mindset and move it upstream and have my front desk start it? That's literally what I did, Hobby. I baked in all the research from our own profession that we were telling all the providers to do. I baked it into the front end. So we started to manage, to answer your question directly, we started to manage and set expectations earlier in the patient's journey within our business. So we started to really work hard on managing and setting expectations before they arrived in the clinic. Everybody else waits until someone walks into the provider room to have expectations managed. And then they don't think about uh, expectations to manage around cost, around billing, around no-shows, around cancels, around the expert they'll be seeing, all this other stuff. So I moved that all upstream. When we started to do that is when we started to see the changes in cancel rates. When we started to see the increase in completed plans of care and when the no-shows disappeared. 
So my goal, I, I always tell everybody, we'll never get to zero or a hundred percent. The only thing I say we better get damn near close to zero on is no shows. So I say, look, we can get rid of no shows, cancels, can't, life is life. You can't zero out cancel. So I, I've said over the years, 5% cancel is about the floor, right? So 5% cancel rate, a 0% no show is where we should all be sitting. So take a look at your metrics if you're listening to this and look at how close you are. Um, your first visit arrival rate, right, from lead. So lead conversion, because lead conversion is lead a phone call, a fax, a web form to actual arrival that can run anywhere between 65 to, you know, 95% in any clinics. And it should be in there. Um, and most clinics, regardless of where they are, could probably be doing a little better. But after that, once someone arrives, your drop-off rate should be 5%, 8% max. Again, drop-offs and no-shows are like the greatest disrespect that you earned, by the way, right? It's someone giving you the respect back you didn't give them. I deal with clinics every day, dude, 20, 30% drop-off and cancel rates. I'm like, woo, right? So yeah, we can impact all this by setting and managing expectations and building trust further upstream. That makes perfect sense. So I know today we have a little bit of a shorter episode um, and I definitely want to bring you back on uh, to wrap up. What do you, what, and, and I mean, you've given so much advice already. Um, what, if you had to give, you know, one or two more pieces of advice for, uh, for those healthcare, you know, experts who have a practice or are, are about to get into one and are listening to this and are like, man, I didn't even think about any of that, which I think is most people, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, what, what, where would you start? Where would you start um, with them? And what would you tell them that they should start when now they're thinking, oh man, I didn't, I completely missed a boat on that. You know, where do I even get started with figuring all this stuff out? I think a number one is understanding. So this is the a number one takeaway because this is where my, all my stuff started. Understand that every potential, first off, we call everybody a patient. I'm like, they were a potential patient, right? Or a potential client. So understanding that there's a potential then takes you back to going, wait a minute. These people understanding this are in a journey within my business. So I call it the patient life cycle. So understanding that a journey starts the moment they first see your brand, your marketing, your website, your Facebook ad, and that there's steps and touches along the way. And you need to map that out before you ever open your doors. And the sooner you do that, and the sooner you understand that the journey the patient is, your potential patient, and then paying patient is taking in your business, the more successful you will be, watch this, with the least amount of work. Healthcare practices are the most notorious businesses on the face of the work for working hard, being busy. And I'm like, what the fuck is it producing? Because a 30% churn rate, I, I, I've, I've said it publicly before. If you are a clinic with a 30% churn rate, you are damn near unethical. There's nobody that should be managing people. We're managing people's health. This isn't churn rate of Verizon or Comcast, of which is probably about the same. So be proud of yourself. You have the same churn rate as some of the worst management or some of the worst customer service business on the face of the earth. So yeah, if you understand your patient's journey, 
then you would never put someone on your schedule who was not the best, best fit for you. And you won't waste their time, money, or energy, which means you haven't wasted your time, money, or energy. So the better you understand a patient's journey, that means the more work you will do further upstream in your marketing, in your sales process. And then by the time someone shows up, you just have to deliver what you already know how to do, right? As the new business owner, you're going to focus on what happens when they show up and you're going to be very surprised when the business, when you're busy all the time, trying to keep people on the schedule, focus on the things you're not good at doing and that you don't understand. Cause I guarantee you that actual vow is not where you need to be spending your time. Wow. And, and I feel like, you know, uh, one of the pieces that you mentioned there was, um, before you even open up your practice, these are things you have to start thinking about now for those that are already in business, what advice would you give to them? Perhaps it's the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you know what I recommend for those people? So the people we just talked about, they're going to figure out the metrics of success before they ever open it. Because if you understand your patient's journey, you're going to go, wait a minute, I should be measuring this and I should be measuring that. And I go, nice work. The people with current practices, I run into an issue of they're not measuring the right things and therefore they're chasing the wrong result visits, units, build, things like that are never going to change your business, right? They're not there. You're chasing a short-term result. So in the people already in business, I say, take a step back and really figure out what are the metrics of success? What are the three or four things? If you could only measure three or four things, what are the most powerful things you could measure in your business? And this is what I say they are. You know, we could, someone's going to disagree with some of these, if not all of them, but these, these are the metrics of success that I say that if you only had four things at your disposal every day, they would tell you the health of your business. By the way, the A number one metric here, here's a great takeaway. If I could only measure one thing in my business that would tell me the health. And you know, it's funny. Everybody's thinking financial numbers right now. Wait till you hear the metric I give you. There's one metric business metric for a healthcare practice, a physio healthcare practice that will tell you both the financial health of your business and the clinical side of the business. And that's a completed plan of care. If I could only measure one metric, I'd say, tell me what is the percentage of arrived new patients, or I would say leads to complete a plan of care. Then I might look arrived to complete a plan of care. If I could only track one number, it'd be that completed plan of care. That would tell me money in the bank. That would tell me so many things. So that's number one. The other ones I would look at are the ones that feed into that. Leads, total number of leads coming in, total number of arrived, right? And then total number of booked plans of care. That's all you got to look at. That's all you got to look at. Hey, you know, we could say book plans of care. Well, then... You know, we could sneak cancels and drop-offs in there. Yeah, that's a big drop-offs is the biggest tell of your current patients, your understanding. But I would say those three things, because leads arrived and then books, plans of care. That's all you need to know. The healthier business is in every one of those numbers. That's it. Man. Well, I know everyone definitely got a ton of value from everything that you just shared. I know I did. Um, every time I listen to, to you speak and, and go over these, you know, principles of business, I think it's just, 
I just, I get, I get so many distinctions from it and it's just, it's amazing. So thank you. Uh, do you mind, do you mind sharing with the audience, uh, where they can keep up with you if they'd like to learn more about you and your work? Yeah, let's, um, I'll give you two places, my two favorite places where I share, I think the most consistently and will be the most valuable. I have a YouTube page free of charge. There's nothing required there. Just your time and your energy. Um, Jerry Durham PT. I've got, I've got a little over, I think I got 72 videos on there now, by the way, there's a folder playlist. They're called playlists. There's a playlist there called <laughs> start here. No joke. I just said, let, look, let's make this obvious. So there's a playlist called start here. So my YouTube page, number one, number two, I have a Facebook group called what's best for the patient is best for business. And that is actually a closed group because I'm, I, I want people in there. It's funny, 99% of the people don't even mess, it, uh, mess with it, but I set the terms of agreement for the group you have to actually comment on. It says you will be active in this group. That was my terms of agreement. I want people coming in there who are going to, I don't care, tell me I'm wrong, tell me I'm right, give me an example, right? Just participate. So it's a small group. I do my Facebook lives in there. I share more there on a daily basis than anywhere else. Um, so I'm looking for people in that group that want to learn more about this whole mindset and want to do the work to be successful. So YouTube page and my Facebook group are probably the best two places for people to go. Amazing. Amazing. And, you know, I'm in that group currently and you share a ton of value, a ton of resources and checklists and anything that you need uh, to be successful in your practice. So uh, Jerry, thank you so much again. Uh, head out, head over to uh, the YouTube channel and the Facebook group. What's best for the patient is best for the business. I got it right. Lord have mercy. You got it, dude. <laughs> well, and if you guys go to my podcast, you'll hear the story of how that came to be and why I screw it up sometimes, but there is a, there's a good backstory behind where that came from. Awesome. Awesome. What's the podcast name? What's best for the patient is best for business. <laughs> Jerry, thank that's you so actually much. the podcast. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you so much again. Uh, thank awesome. you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I know your time is valuable and I know that you are here to learn how to build a successful business. So I have something special just for you. If you are a healthcare expert who is in business or is aspiring to be, and you're curious about how to grow a profitable, impactful business, then you are going to want to pay attention because as a listener of this show, I want you to win. So I've created a bundle of resources exclusively for the listeners of Healthcare Business Radio. If you are tired of trying to figure out the scheme of business, marketing, and sales all on your own, and you are ready to implement what's already proven to work, rather than reinventing the wheel, you are going to want to head over to healthcarebusinessradio.com forward slash insider. And there you will find over $7,000 worth of trainings, resources, and coaching that is only available for listeners of this show. So if you want to know how to increase your income, impact more people, and build a business that works for the lifestyle that you want and that serves your family at the highest possible level, head over to healthcarebusinessradio.com forward slash insider right now so you can win big in your healthcare business and in life.